Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town, and now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including... CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And good evening. We are back from our 167-hour hiatus with another exciting adventure. I'm joined tonight by Mark O'Connell. And uh, I probably ought to ask him for a job, having read his uh, biography here. Mark has written (laughs) several episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and one of the uh, Deep Space Nine episodes, Who Mourns for Mourn, was named a Hugo winning science uh, named by Hugo award winning scientist science fiction writer. I have no reason why I can no longer speak. Uh, <laughs> as one of one of the one of the best of the uh, uh, Deep Space Nine uh, episodes or Star Trek episodes, he has uh, feature film projects in development with Disney, DreamWorks Animation, Launchpad Productions, Barcelona Films. You see, I can say Barcelona, but I can't say easy stuff. Barcelona Films, 
and uh, Al Ruddy Productions. He currently writes a UFO blog, High Strangeness, Strangeness, I can't say American words, High Strangeness at www.highstrangenessufo.com and has made his reality show debut in 2015 on Mysteries at the Monument on the Travel Channel. He's also writing Close Encou- the Close Encounters Man, which is an authorized biography of Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who coined the term Close Encounters of the first, second, and third kind for Day Street Books, an imprint of HarperCollins, and it will be out in May of 2017. So now you understand why I thought maybe I should ask him for a job with all this stuff going on here. Mark O'Connell, welcome <laughs> to A Different Perspective. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. I don't hear any job offers. Should... <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> so, so no, we'll I felt I should point vein. out that... Those film scripts in development, that's all past tense. Those scripts were in development. They are not now. Just I just wanted to be clear on that. The big thing I'm working on now is the book. Way to weasel out of offering me a job, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, you know, you know, if, if I gave you an opening, then everybody would want one. Now, that is true. Absolutely. And besides, I'm retired, so I just uh, accept the government's money that they send to me for free now. Anyway. Oh, perfect. Anyway, um, the reason that you are here tonight is because we had, uh, or we'd corresponded about this. You and Don Schmidt were going to debate the Roswell case on a different radio show, who I will not name. And it was supposed to be put up, I guess, online so people could um, review it, as as we do with this show uh, every week. And that mm-hmm. the last time we communicated, that hadn't happened. Is that still the case? Yeah, and just just to clarify, we Don and I actually did have the debate. This was a live debate that took place uh, last month, October, in Milwaukee, at in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. Um, Don had challenged me to do a debate at this event on the Roswell, the Roswell slides and the Roswell saucer crash uh, story. Uh, so we held the debate in October. And the debate was, uh, it was webcast live as it occurred by that other radio station we will not mention. They asked, that station actually sponsored the event. And I was told that the debate would then be posted on that radio station's website so that people could go listen to it anytime. The, The problem is it's never, as far as I can tell, it has never been posted even after they assured me that it would be. It's never been posted, and now the people at the radio station um, are not returning my messages. So I don't have any idea uh, why they wouldn't post the debate, but that seems to be the decision that they made. So so I appreciate your inviting me here today to talk about it because uh, it was kind of an interesting event, and I think more people should know about it. Well, I think we'll, we'll get into depth on that in just a, a few mm-hmm. minutes because we're going to have to take a break here in just a moment. But um, from what you communicated with me, and of course they were all biased, the people that you talked to, your family members, your niece, thought that you'd won the debate. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that Don's uh, compadres in the, in the audience thought that he had won the debate as well. So we'll discuss what exactly the debate was about, and, and even if you, even the Roswell Slides thing, which I thought was pretty much passe, uh, given everything that's happened about that. And as I say, oftentimes you can get more information about what we discuss here 
on the radio at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. So we will be back in just a few moments to talk with Mark O'Connell about the Roswell debate. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say, it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself 
rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. To enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. And we have returned with Mark O'Connell. We're going to talk about the Roswell debate he had with Don Schmidt, uh, quite a while ago, last month, October, and see if we can't uh, learn a little bit about that. And the one thing that uh, you said that intrigued me right off the bat was that part of the debate was about the Roswell slides, and I can't imagine what that debate would have been about. I mean, it seems to me that from everything I've seen, everything I've read, everything I posted on my blog suggested the thing the thing i shouldn't say that the the poor unfortunate child in the photograph was a mummy um mm-hmm. and, and it uh is what what 900 years old or something like that so there doesn't seem to be any debate about the slides left at all what what did you guys talk about well um kevin the the debate moderators there are two people involved there's t Krulis, the gentleman who organizes the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference, who is an awesome guy. Uh, I want to just give him kudos for putting on this fantastic event. And then there was the debate moderator, who was a, an actual local college professor. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was, he was very thorough, very meticulous. He organized the debate. He ran the debate at the event, uh, made sure that you know both John and I had equal time to get our points across. It was all very, very well run. But they, T and the professor, are the two people who put together the debate questions. We had, Don and I had no input in that. And one of the debate questions um, specifically was, let me get this out here. One of the questions specifically, question number four, 
What impact has the Roswell slides had on ufology? Has it damaged credibility in the UFO field? So that was question number four. So we had actually already been talking for probably at least a half an hour, uh, maybe more, before we got to this topic. But it was, you know, it was most definitely they were asking specifically about the slides. So, but um, they weren't they weren't suggesting they, they weren't suggesting that there was anything left to discuss about the identity of the. Oh the image. no, no. We're now to the no, point not where, at all, not at we're all. We're now to the point where does it damage ufology? And yes, I that imagine, was exactly that. That was it. I would imagine Don said, not really. And you said, well, somewhat. Yes, <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would that would be a fair assessment. Actually, I started out my answer. Um, I started out my answer to that question by quoting Dr. Hynek. Uh, in the research I did for my biography of Dr. Hynek, I came across an interview that he did for Omni Magazine in 1985. And the interviewer asked Hynek specifically, how do you feel about saucer crash stories? And this is what Hynek said, quote, to be honest, I don't like to talk about crashed saucers because I'm in a position to mobilize public belief. If I came out and held a press conference to say that a saucer has landed and the creatures were in deep freeze at right field, quite a few people would believe me. But it wouldn't necessarily be true, and it certainly wouldn't be science. I won't jeopardize my reputation for the sake of a story, unquote. So, you know, I just said, when the, you know, when the world's leading expert in UFOs won't jeopardize his reputation by repeating saucer crash stories, that tells you all you need to know about saucer crash stories. And I felt, I went on to say that I thought that the, the Roswell slide story really had a horrible effect on ufology because it created a terrible double standard. So the way I described this was, let's, let's, look, at a, let's look at a scenario where um, some people come across an artifact that they believe proves that Earth has been visited in 1947 by aliens and flying saucers. Those people make a bold public announcement that they have physical evidence of aliens on Earth, but soon after that, they realized that this artifact was actually of earthly origin, nothing alien about it. So they're forced to retract their public announcement and admit to the world that they made a big mistake. Now, that scenario obviously describes the Army Air Force, right, in 1947. That's exactly what they did. They came across this supposed artifact that supposedly showed that Earth had been visited by aliens. Then they had to retract that statement and say, oops, our mistake, it's actually from Earth. Um, but that also describes Don Schmidt's Roswell Dream Team and the way they handled the Roswell slides. They did the exact same thing the Air Force did. <laughs> they made a bold public announcement that they had found this artifact that proved that aliens had visited Earth. Um, they showed it off in public and then almost immediately had to retract their announcement and say, oh, we messed up. This is actually something from Earth. So my question to Don was, okay, you take those two stories, you want us to give the Air Force absolutely no benefit of the doubt, but you want us to give you full benefit of the doubt. And I said, if the Air Force doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt, why do you? And he he got all flustered and he just started he just started insisting, well, I never called him the Roswell slides. I never called him the Roswell slides. Show me one place where I called him the Roswell slides, which, you know, that's that's completely beside the point. And somewhat disingenuous. 
it was somewhat disingenuous yeah. simply because if you go back and you listen to what Tom Carey was saying from the very beginning, he was saying that the moment he saw the image, he thought immediately of descriptions of the Roswell bodies that he had been given by witnesses and thought this linked yeah. directly to them. I wanted to say one other thing. The Air Force actually never said they had an alien spacecraft. They said they had a flying saucer. And if you put it in, oh, the, con if you, if you put it in the context of 1947, flying saucer meant a lot of things, one of which was mm -hmm alien spacecraft, but it also meant a lot of other things. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, the Air Force didn't really say we have a crash saucer with alien bodies. They said we have captured a flying saucer. And the story was very vague until we got to, to Ramey's office. Uh, but having now said that, to, to clarify that point, I, I think mm -hmm. that, that you're also correct when you say that the um, – they made the announcement that they had this this was an alien creature that had been recovered at some point, and they connected it directly to Roswell with a number of the witnesses they brought in, so they connected it to roswell uh, mm -hmm. so so it's somewhat disingenuous to say, well, I never called them the Roswell slides, which he may never have said. I think that was a term co coined by um, more of the debunkers. I had began calling them the not Roswell slides simply for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> but uh -huh. but the, but the point you know you, you you've made a good point. So Don was kind of flustered by the uh, by the comment from what you say. Yeah, and I and, and he never really responded to my question. If the Air Force didn't deserve the benefit of the doubt, why does he? I think that's a I think that's a fair question to ask. If he wants to say, oh, the Air Force lied about the whole thing, but we didn't. We just made a mistake. I think that's a grossly unfair double standard, and I think that's the kind of thing that damages ufology because it basically tells the world we are not holding ourselves to a high standard. We will forgive ourselves for making really, really stupid mistakes, and it's not the first stupid mistake they've made. You know, you've, you've been involved in this story for a long time. How many smoking guns have there been? that turned out to be complete fakes? The you know the, you, you the mean, autopsy mean, film yes. the. Uh, the uh, the the Frank the Frank Kaufman escapades, um, you know all of that stuff, so-called smoking guns that have just turned out to be absolutely untrue. So you know how many how many times can you keep coming up with smoking guns? Well, this, I so this so again this this is my response to yes I believe it has damaged ufology. And I would I would respond by saying a the alien autopsy was not something that came out of ufology and almost universally it was panned from the very beginning it was. Uh, others who 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 glommed onto it and thought this was the end all be all, but in in dealing with the alien autopsy, I mean there were problems from with it from the very beginning, from the six fingered aliens to the idea that it was somehow connected to MJ twelve. Not to mention the classifications that were supposedly on the film canisters that bore no resemblance to anything ever used by the United States military at any time, and the and the ridiculous idea that the guy had absconded with twenty three. Uh, small canisters of film of top secret material and nobody ever noticed it was missing when they were when it was well known in top secret projects they would count the frames to make sure every frame had been returned so i mean uh you know with alien autopsy yeah it it, it went out over the world and it didn't do us any favors but but for the most part many of us at in ufology realized it was a hoax uh frank kaufman i take full credit for but I never referred to him as a smoking gun. It was just other information that we had from a guy who had who who we'd been pointed to by by Walter Hott, who we thought was a very credible source and was kind of engineering 
um, things in Roswell for all of us to respond to. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, given given all of that, uh, it, it still the thing that bothers me about the Roswell slides is that unlike some of that where we really weren't involved or we were involved but not calling it the smoking gun with the Roswell slides that's exactly how it was presented to the world yeah yeah well and the Roswell slides um the Roswell slides event actually led directly to this debate that Don and I had last month um because shortly after the big reveal in Mexico City um it was announced by MUFON that Jaime Mazan would be one of the keynote speakers at their next UFO symposium. Um, and I've been involved with MUFON for a couple of years. So I, I wrote a letter to, to Jan uh, Harjan. I think that's the name, the, the CEO of MUFON. And I just said, I don't think it's right that one of these guys who was on stage in Mexico City promoting this, the, the, this, the Roswell slides should be a keynote speaker at our UFO symposium. And he wrote back and said, well, I, I understand. I appreciate what you're saying. But he said, you know, we've had these we've had these speaking engagements booked up a long, long time, long before the Roswell Slides thing came about. And he said, Jaime is only going to be talking about his collection of UFO images. And OK, well, I wrote back and I said, OK, but I said, you know, in future, how about if any time one of these Roswell Slides guys is invited on stage? How about if you also invite someone else? to share the stage with them, someone. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Who can actually call, you know, their story into question and present alternative viewpoints. So having proposed that to Jan, um, you know, when Don challenged me to do this Roswell debate, I thought, oh, well, that's exactly what I, I've been suggesting should be done so that was that was why i uh, accepted the challenge that okay here's I'm, i here's my chance to put my money where my mouth is and so uh you were unsuccessful in getting Jaime Musan uh canceled i would have thought oh, that yeah. if, you, if you're a legitimate legitimate research organization and you found something out like this something like this has gone on uh even mm-hmm. though he's been invited for a long time i Imagine I, there's other instances where speakers have been canceled simply because mm-hmm. they have um, feet of lead. They they have gone over the deep end and and their credibility has suffered badly. I I don't understand why Mufon insisted. Well, I guess he's a big draw though, uh, and it would become monetary. Yeah, I 
yeah, I, I think probably that's, that's the heart of the matter right there, what you just said. So uh, we're in the debate. We've now discussed the Roswell Swides. What other, what other aspects of it were brought up? Uh, I mean, not the Roswell uh, Swides, was, but uh, Roswell, the Roswell case. Well, I, I can just sort of walk through the, 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 the discussion we had based on the questions that were asked. If I, we, we, we could do it that way if you'd like. Um, you know, the first, the first question was, is it time for ufology to move on from the Roswell event? Um, and I said that I, in my opinion, ufology already has moved on from the Roswell event. So it's not even, that's not even the question we should be asking, but I said, you know, here's, here's what one UFO expert says. And then I quoted Don Schmidt from his public apology after the Roswell slides, where he said, quote, I'm afraid that after spending almost half of my life devoted to one specific investigation, I allowed the allure of final resolution to cloud my skeptical nature and to be replaced by a false vision of hope. I now realize that the image in the slides is a mummy, as specified by the display placard. At this time, I consider the matter concluded and intend on moving forward. So I said, well, there you go. Don's already moving forward. So and, I think ufology in general I has to interrupt, moved forward. I hate to interrupt, but we're going to have to move forward. Because we're... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. 
from astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. And we are back. I think on the last uh, segment, we were a little bit long, and we might have missed some of that. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark O'Connell, I almost said McConnell, Mark O'Connell <laughs> was uh, telling us what uh, Don Schmidt had said about moving on from the Roswell, sl- uh, the Roswell event, I guess, the whole thing. So um, can we revisit the last part of that quote, uh, Mark, and, and what exactly oh. did he say at the end of that? Sure, sure. In, in Don's public apology for the Roswell slides, he said, at this time, I consider the matter concluded and intend on moving forward, unquote. So as far as is it time for ufology to move on? Yes. The point I made in the debate was, yes, it, it already has moved on. And here and Don agrees. And uh, and then Don did agree with me, actually, in the, in the debate. So there was no argument there. Yes. Time to move on. So what We're you're saying, on, you should do what you're saying is my book, uh, Roswell in the 21st Century, is passe already. No, I'm saying your book <laughs> should be read by everyone who's interested in this topic. I, I really, really do, because I, I just I was so impressed with that book, Kevin. Just the fact that you were you 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 did one of the things that I really admired Dr. Heineck for. You just you followed the facts and said, this is the only thing we can conclude from the facts. There's nothing else we can conclude. This is the way it is. And I and I think that kind of that kind of hard, clear thinking is often missing from ufology. So I really appreciated it. And the money will be in the mail here shortly for that uh, <laughs> commercial announcement. No, I I thank you, See, Mark. I, if I, I, if I can't that. offer you a job, I can sell some books for you. Hey, there you go. I'm on board with that. Okay, so we're debating <laughs> Roswell. You've now suggested that we should move on from Roswell. We've demolished the slides. What other aspects of the Roswell case did you guys talk about? Well, one of the questions had to do with why were there seemingly so many UFO crashes, and they listed Aurora, Cape Girardeau, Roswell, Aztec, Kecksburg, Kecksburg and others. I didn't really have a whole lot to say on that, except that I, I basically said that compared to the millions of sightings on record, it seems to me there are actually very few reports of UFO crashes, and I, I kind of wonder why. 
I'm only of that group. I'm most familiar with Aurora and Aztec, both of, because both of those were kind of played a role in my book. Um, but we really didn't have a whole lot to say about that. I just basically said it seems to me that some of the saucer crash stories can be explained as, as psyops put on by the military. Um, I actually have some evidence of that, but it belongs to a person who won't allow me to share it. So I can't really, unfortunately, I can't go into the story, but I have a sneaking suspicion that some of these UFO crash stories have a lot to do with misinformation spread by our government. And I think probably a lot of people would agree with that. Well, the one thing that one thing that I've always said is you take a look at some of the lists of UFO crashes, there's like 300 plus. These things are raining out of the sky practically. And you have to wonder is if there's that many UFO crashes, how come we don't have much better information? Because at, at one point, one of them is going to have to crash in a place where the government couldn't cover it up, couldn't hide it, and there would be great pictures of it, and that just never happens. I mean, if you go back to the Aurora, Texas 1897 crash that you alluded to just a moment before, you notice that uh, it, you know, there's one story in the, the newspaper about it in 1897, and there's, there's never any follow-up. And you're thinking, well, what happened yeah. to this thing? You've got all these – and it's buried the, – the guy's buried in the, the – uh, uh, cemetery there in Aurora, Texas, and then you have to look at a, a history of, of uh, Aurora that was uh, published about nine years, ten years later. There's no mention of this event at all, and you think, well, the government and the CIA wasn't there to suppress the information, so what happened to it? Because that would have been a big event if it had truly happened. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so you know, yeah. I, I I get on the UFO crashes, and and, and I will always say that you look at the um, the quality of your your car. You know, if you if you grew up in the 50s and 60s, there were all kinds of problems with your cars, and they were stalling and braking. And in today's environment, they work a lot better than they used to. And I would think that a race that has um, been able to defeat the problems of interstellar flight would have would have solved some of the problems that they would run into uh, in planetary exploration. Of course, that doesn't that doesn't I, uh, doesn't get away from the guy that pushes the wrong button, but that's a whole other argument. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I think that's a worthy point. I mean, I do have a hard time believing, okay, if these if these alleged aliens have come, traveled across the universe or traveled from another dimension or another time or wherever it may be that they've come from, how could they get all the way to Earth and then not nail the landing. It makes absolutely no sense. You're right. I mean, there's always the guy pushing the wrong button, but that's very hard to believe. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so you talked about other UFO crashes. Uh, did you talk of yeah. anything specifically about Roswell? I mean, the-, the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. In the debate? That, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. There, there, was a, there was a question about, um, in fact, the next question up was, what were Major Jesse Marshall's motives in going public about the Roswell event later in his life? And this is the kind of question I, you know, I, I just took for granted. Don, Don knows Roswell trivia inside and out, of course, and I don't. Um, so I knew I would be at somewhat of a disadvantage in some respects in this debate. So, but my answer to this question was basically, why did Jesse Martel, Marcel go public after whatever, 30, 40 years? And I just, to me, it seems pretty clear. Look at human nature. 
it was just embarrassment. He he was he was made to look pretty stupid back in 1947 uh, by his superiors uh, when they pulled the rug out of the flying saucer story and said it was a, a military balloon. Um, and I just it seems it seems clear to me I, that after living in shame over that moment in life, all, out of the blue, some UFO researchers approach him and say, "Hey, tell us what really happened." Well, what do you think Marcel's going to do? I mean, if you understand anything about human nature, you'll understand his decision to tell his story to an eager researcher who is clearly receptive to his story. So, but, you know, I, I don't know for a fact. This is just my opinion. I'm not calling anybody a liar. I'm just saying after 20 years of feeling shame and anger and somebody shows up at your doorstep and says, hey, tell us what really happened. Well, of, well, of course, you're going to tell your side of the story. There's no mystery there. I'm not sure that's that's really valid. Having having done an awful lot of research into my, this myself, I, I I know that Marcel was chatting with his pals who were ham radio operators, and had right, mentioned right. mentioned that he'd picked up pieces of a flying saucer, and that was how Stan Friedman got a hold of the story. Um, one mm -hmm. of the uh, a producer or a news director at the station there in I guess um, New Orleans had told him that. He knew a guy who'd picked up pieces of the flying saucer and gave him the information. And, Mar and, and uh, uh, Friedman got, took down the information and called him a couple of days later. But it was more than a year before they actually approached him to get additional information because they couldn't find out much about it until B Bill Morris blundered onto the um, photograph of Marcel with the weather balloon in Ramey's office. So, um, but but you know, so I, I'm not I'm not sure that's quite right. I, I think that, you know, I, am not sure that he stewed about it. I'm not sure that he was angry about it. And if he would, and if he'd really found a flying saucer, um, then, uh, you know, he was keeping his mouth shut like he was supposed to until he thought the, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the statute of limitations had, had expired. Uh, um, mm -hmm. Sappho Henderson, her, her husband, um, Pappy Henderson, said that he'd flown bits of the material out of Roswell in 1947 and he said that uh, he saw the story in the in a newspaper it was a tabloid newspaper the like you buy at the uh, checkout stand in the news at the grocery market or you used to be able to buy it there mm -hmm. and she he said to her well since they're putting it in the newspaper i guess i can tell you about this now and told him his his role in it but the but the gag mm -hmm. on him was uh, actually he it didn't mean he had permission to tell uh, because it was a classified material. And even if it's in open sources, what he's done now is confirmed the validity of it, which is a good thing for reporters, but not necessarily a good thing for keeping secrets. So I'm not sure that's completely a valid, valid, but you might be, but you might be right too. Um, you know, you well, fair enough. I, I, I know very little about the man. So I, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I can see that we, we may both be a little right. <laughs> I may be a little wrong. Uh, but but by the same token, we know that Jesse Marcel had a tendency to embellish tales, and uh, uh, if you go back and you're looking at the the um, shooting script for the program UFOs Are Real, and Marcel's on, no, I'm sorry, it's the it's in the book the um, for the sake of my country by Linda Linda Corley, who uh, interviewed Marcel at length, and uh, she's talking about that. Marcel's is is starting to tell the tale about how he had performed an emergency appendectomy on a, on a soldier, you getting instructions over the radio. And his wife says, oh, not that story again. 
So mm. it, you know, it suggests it suggests that he liked to he liked to tell stories too. So, um, okay. you know, I, I I'm just really kind of ambivalent about about that, especially with what we know today. So, that's my take on it. And I keep interrupting you when we should be talking to you about what what you learned in the debate or what you said in the debate. So we've dealt with Marcel. <laughs> We're coming. We're getting yeah. close to. I'm, I'm warning you. We're getting close to a break here. Uh, but okay. what other things came up in the debate? Well, they they for the final big question they asked, what's the most important issue for ufologists today? And I I, I took the opportunity to say that I I just think we need to move beyond the nuts and bolts approach to the UFO phenomenon, which is exemplified by the Roswell mystery. Um, and I quoted Heineck again from a 1975 letter he had written to Carl Sagan, where he said, I do not and have never supported the idea that UFOs were nuts and bolts hardware from some very distant place. And so I, I just I just use that quote to say, yeah, I think ufology would be better off if we looked at the totality of the phenomena. Why do UFOs behave like solid objects one second and then take on non-physical aspects the next? What you know, what game are they playing? I think those are the things that will move ufology forward. And I'm sad to say that when I gave that answer, Don's response was, well, Mark, you have to understand Dr. Heineck had a brain tumor at that point, so you really can't go by anything he said. And I got to tell you, Kevin, I was deeply offended by that. And I, I just said, oh, I get it. So when Dr. Heineck disagreed with you, it was because he had a brain tumor and he had impaired mental facilities. I was I was really, really, really offended by that. I don't know how people in the audience felt, probably don't know enough about it to have an opinion, but I was I was deeply offended. What what a cheap shot. Actually, what I would have said in response to that question is, you know, Carl Sagan had said uh, to the Condon Committee back in the 1960s that we could expect uh, one alien visitation every 10,000 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I would have said, and then I would have said, uh, when do we start counting the 10,000 years? And don't you think that if a civilization arrived here at Earth, an alien civilization arrived and saw that we were moving into an industrial age or we were in the industrial age or we're moving in the atomic age, wouldn't you suggest, wouldn't that suggest to them that here's, here's something that we maybe, maybe should study? That once we've set up the signal that we're here, that maybe they would be coming back more frequently, uh, which would explain why we see more of them today than we did 200 years ago. As just a thought. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because Carl Sagan is actually the bad guy in my book. <laughs> because, you know, one of the amazing things I learned in researching the book was that Sagan and Heineck had a very, very long lasting relationship as colleagues, um, astronomers, and they they butted heads quite a bit over the UFO topic, and it made for some really, really interesting stories, and it's all in my book. Well, I will I will say one thing before we take our next break here, and that is simply that Carl Sagan got the highest per rate that I know of any author ever got. Ever got. He got, uh, I think it was $2 million a word, and what they bought was his name, Carl Sagan, and he wrote the book Contact out of that, which I can't really get through, but I figured they bought, bought it based on his name and nothing else. We're going to have to take a quick break, and we will be okay. back with uh, Mark O'Connell talking about this and as I say additional information you can usually find at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and uh, we will be back shortly
As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years and author of four books and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold.
And we are back with Mark O'Connell, who uh, has a, a website, www.highstrangenessufo.com. And he's doing a book called The Close Encounters Man, which is due to the publisher, I guess, in May of uh, 2017 about uh, J. Allen Hynek and uh, his UFO research. When we left, we were talking to Mark O'Connell about um, the debate he had with Don Schmidt and some of the points that came up. And I guess the next question that I would have is, did you stick strictly to the topic of Roswell or did you motor into other areas of the UFO phenomenon? There were, there were a couple little side routes. There was one question about uh, disclosure. Um, and, and my answer was, uh, I guess, kind of short. I think disclosure is a fairy tale. I think if, if disclosure was going to happen, I believe it would have happened by now. And I believe it would have happened because the aliens decided to make it happen. I think I, if, if you're, if you're into the disclosure school of thought, I think it's, I, I don't see how you could possibly think that our government would have the upper hand in that relationship. I think that the decision of when the route, the reveal is going to happen would be totally in the hands of the aliens. And that's what I've said for years that the, Disclosure is not up to us. It's the aliens are going to decide yeah. we're here and we're going to announce it and, and we're going to be sure at that point. So uh, yeah. I think disclosure. How it be any other way? Uh, other than the, the government decided to come out and says, yeah, we found a flying saucer and this is what we've learned from it. Uh, but there's no motivation to do that. Why? You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. I can't see any point, point in that. So you discussed a little bit about disclosure, um, other aspects. That, that was really it, to be perfectly honest, except for, you know, the final question about, you know, what, what, what's the best way for ufology to move forward, which we, we discussed a little already. I just basically felt we need, to, we need to get away from thinking that we need to prove everything, because I, I think it's fair to say that the UFO phenomenon has always remained impervious to proof, almost to the degree that it's purposefully doing so. I think ufology needs to be asking questions like why does the true nature and purpose of the UFO phenomenon always seem to remain just out of reach? What do UFOs mean? What do they mean to us? I think those are the kinds of, those are the kinds of questions that draw me to ufology. And I, and, and I wish there was more focus on that kind of question. I think the, the obsession with proof, and I completely understand it. Everybody wants to prove this, but it never really gets us anywhere. You know, meanwhile, we've got things, you know, when, when the Roswell slides are sucking up so much oxygen in the room, meanwhile, you know, we've got really fascinating things that, in my opinion, are still mysteries like like Betty Hill's star map or the police squad car in a museum in northern Minnesota driven by uh, Deputy Val Johnson when a bright light shot inside the car. And, you know, you've got this car in this museum. It's got, it's got a smashed windshield. It's got smashed lights. It's got bent radio antenna because a strange UFO collided with it on a lonely road in Minnesota. You know, those stories just sort of sit there. They just sort of languish. Nobody even looks at them. And I think those are much meatier stories, in my opinion. So that was kind of where the debate ended up was sort of what, you know, what do we look at next? How do we move ahead? And then I also suggested to the audience that they should do what I did and sign up with MUFON as a field investigator. I, I did that in 2011. And, and Kevin, it's just, it's taught me so much about what kind of person reports a UFO event. How does that event affect the person, you know, psychologically and emotionally? 
um, what causes them to decide to fill in the report. Sometimes, and sometimes they're reporting a UFO sighting you 10 years, 20 years after the fact. Those kinds of things are really fascinating to me. And I've learned what? so much about all of that just from being in MUFON. When I was when I was uh, I did a lecture down in um, Edinburgh, Texas, a couple of years ago, and I was sitting at the table, and a guy came up to me to tell me his UFO story, which had frightened the hell out of him. And mm-hmm. I asked him why. You know, I mean, it didn't interact with him in much of any way. It was just there in the sky, and and he was just very upset by this whole thing. And we kind of discussed it for thirty minutes, and then he went away. And he came back a couple hours later, and he said, "Well, well, thank you." And I said, "What?" And he, he, it, our discussion about what what was your trouble? What? Why were you frightened of it? Um, calmed him down. He realized that there was really nothing to worry about. I said, you know, nothing happened to you afterwards. Nothing has happened in all the years that mm-hmm. after after this sighting. Uh, there's there's really nothing to be frightened of. So we, we kind of worked it out uh, that way. Uh, mm-hmm. the, thing that, the thing that you kind of keyed in to me is we have very good evidence that the Air Force was less than candid in their discussions of their UFO investigations and that the Condon right. Committee was pretty much a setup to end their investigation of UFOs. Um, Agreed, yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, was a so, short answer. Never answer a question, nope. being a- ask a question <laughs> being answered in one word. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, the whole thing, there's, you know, and it's funny, Heineck had a quote, somebody asked him, well, do you believe the government was covering, in, covering anything up as far as UFOs are concerned? And Heineck said, well, you can cover up knowing something, but you can also cover up not knowing something, which, uh, you know, I, I love that quote, because either way, whether the government is covering up something they know or covering up something they don't know, you can still reach the same conclusion that the government knows that there's something going on. They just have no idea how to handle it, you know, which has always been the case going back to 1947. But, and that was that was the thing that kind of always struck me is that they were not hiding the evidence uh, of the UFOs. They were hiding the, the the fact that they didn't know what was going on. And if yeah, you, if you exactly. look at the if you look at the Roswell case, you know it's 1947, and suddenly they're presented with a technology that is completely beyond them, and mm-hmm. they they just realize we we've come out of this devastating war, and people are a little bit leery about it. And we say, well, there's alien invaders coming. It's gonna it's gonna create major trouble, especially when they say, well, we don't know anything. We don't know whether the invasion fleet is right up by the moon and about to arrive, or you know, if this was sort of a reconnaissance and uh, they uh, made a mistake and ended up crashing. We don't know anything that we can tell them. So uh, yeah. it, you're right. You know, it's, a, it's either a, a, a cover up of ignorance or they have something that they think is going to be so devastating that they don't want to admit it to, to people. And that, 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 that would be the whole thing. You, you look at the whole history of the UFO uh, phenomenon, you can see that the, the government set up investigations, oftentimes classified investigations of UFOs. So they're clearly there's something going on, which is not necessarily to say it's alien in nature, but it's something that's going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I had alluded to earlier this piece of evidence that I can't share, and it's unfortunate that I can't because it's it's basically it's a it's a personal letter written from someone in the Air Force in the early 1950s to a friend, uh, describing a sort of an officially sponsored UFO encounter between some servicemen and a supposed captured UFO. Turns out the story is just completely taken from 
Frank Scully's book, um, his UFO book from 1950. So behind the flying saucers, strange mystery. Yes, behind the flying saucers. So it creates this huge question: Well, why on earth was this person in the Air Force writing a letter to a friend, obviously violating whatever security clearance he had, um, repeating this story? The whole thing is so bizarre. That's why I said it all makes me think this. This has all got to be a big psyops by the by the government. It's like. Show people just a little bit of your proof that the UFOs exist and then make them feel stupid for believing it. And then they'll think twice in the future about saying, yes, I saw some UFO stuff. You know, it's all just sort of this mind game to sort of expose people to the truth and then pull it back so that they'll never talk about it because, you know, they know what will happen to them. It's it's really an interesting story. Which is exactly what they did at Roswell. Showed a little bit of it and then pulled it back within three hours. Yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't know if you were aware right. of that. If you were aware of that. that. Well, we've uh, uh, we've just about the re- reached the end of our rope here. About run out of our time. I would like to say to Mark McConnell, uh, thank you for O'Connell. sharing. Uh, Mark O'Connell, I'm sorry. It's too many Connells <laughs> running around you, here. You've been so good, Kevin. You've been so good. You, and, this is and the first I, time you got it wrong. I've blown it, but Mark O'Connell, for his assistance in understanding some of the Roswell case and what was going on, um, his website is www.highstrangenessufo.com, so you can take a look there and see what other his opinions are. He's writing the book, The Close Encounters Man, about J. Allen Hynek, which is, I guess, due to our, uh, due, oh, is due for publication in May, or is it due to the publisher in May? Yeah. No, it's it's already at the publisher. It's coming out okay. to bookstores in May, May 9th. Okay. Yeah. It'll but be it's out also in... available. It's, yes. Can I say it's available for pre-order on Amazon right now? You can, you can say that, but um, we'll probably edit it out at some point. That was a joke, guys. <laughs> well, I know. I'm glad I said it. <laughs> okay. So you, the book will be out in May of 2017. And Mark right. has had a, a wonderful career, and he won't offer me a job in writing anything in Hollywood, so I probably will never speak to him again. But if well, you wanted, if you if you want additional information, we will. You can find it at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And if you want more information about the uh, the Roswell case, at least from my perspective, which I guess we could now call a different perspective, it would be. Um, Roswell in the 21st century. And so now that I've managed to plug my books and everything, um, Mark, anything you'd like to say in closing here? Yeah, I just threw uh, it to just you. Thank, thank you for having me on the show, Kevin. I really appreciate it. I, I um, It's been an interesting situation to end up in, being this sort of voice of an alternative theory of Roswell, but um, but it sure makes life interesting. Well, there you go. Well, thank you once again, Mark O'Connell. Uh, we will be back next week with another exciting episode of A Different Perspective. And as I say, you can uh, listen to previous shows. The links are always up at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. For those of you, if you've missed something in the past, and we will be back next week with, um, I'm thinking, uh, John Greenwald from the Black Vault. So... Stay tuned for the next program and tune in next week for uh, John Greenwald. Thank you for listening to this.